This episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to tell them Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Last time on Tales of the Voidfarer. Why did you leave your friend? I got launched into my hopes and dreams and everything that I ever asked for. I was hoping that she'd be understanding of that. It's wild to me that you haven't made any attempt to reach out or I don't know. What about the nautiloid ships and the squids? Ezerath doesn't actually have any reaction. (laughs) To her, it didn't sound like anything that concerns her. The halfling sees you, he drops everything he's holding. Flapwing? Merrick? Last that I knew, you went in for the luck beat job. Then we wound up dead? Yeah. With a crossbow bolt in his eye? Yeah, voice down, voice down. Was that you? It, it was me, Merrick. It was me. So you have a week of travel on to the next job. I didn't have anything in mind for like the little <laughs> intro banter. So this is either it or we're going to oh, jump, jump right into the episode. Oh no, this can't be it. <laughs> this is <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, yikes. There's so much pressure to perform right good now. Banter. Why do I got to do all the work? Dance, Tanner. Dance. I, I am. Are, I, are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> we did all of our banter before we started recording. That was our mistake. Oh, is that what I you know. call talk about interest rates as banter? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of good, yeah. fun banter we did. Yeah. Talking about the housing market mm-hmm. and other adult The housing things. market and interest rates. <laughs> You're We're so old. I, I'm still in my youth. I'm still in my 20s, so... God, are you really? I am, yeah. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I'll be 32 <laughs> in a month. Y'all yeah, babies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that just makes you old, Saker. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm young, which means you're a baby. That's how this works. I will always be young. Fool. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to single-handedly kick off Saker's midlife crisis right here? damn it. Uh, it, In one month, I will be closer to 40 than I am to 30, and that scares the shit out of me. That's fair. Yeah. So. Hey, let's play some fantasy game, please. Can we play some fantasy games? Yeah, let's play some fantasy games and escape (laughs) the relentless progress of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right, that's sufficient banner. I'm happy with that. <laughs> banner, you fucking robot. Banner achieved. <laughs> Engaging that D&D protocol. <laughs> banner achieved. Midlife crisis achieved. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be personable. Um, this was. This so. is all centered around me being very young. <laughs> the viewers have to know that I'm the youngest one. 
Mm -hmm. It's not canon. Yep. So, all right. (laughs) All right. You guys are on the Voidfarer. You are in the process of traveling back to Nadir Anchorage to drop off some rescued people from all of the fuckery that happened back on the Vizier. Currently on board is Diego Vasco and the surviving Seekers, as well as Brawla. And the ship is heading back to Nadir Anchorage to drop off those people, resupply. And then from the sound of it, Val already has another job lined up. So you have a week span to get there. But for now, Marco, you awaken in the crew quarters. Mm-hmm. You kind of stir awake more than half of the crew are already up and gone. There's early morning shifts and other things, and there's only a handful of other crew members still lingering around in here. But as you kind of stir awake, you see that there is somebody intently watching you from a little bit of stack of uh, the like storage chests that store a lot of the personal effects of the crew that stay here. Um... Can I tell who they are? Do they look familiar to me? Yeah. As your eyes focus blearly from you waking up, you see the small figure of Adger. Adger, um, what, what are you doing? You're back. He says kind of timidly, (laughs) but he's, he's staying pretty far away from you. Um, not thinking. I'm going to start kind of like getting up and more or less approaching him being like, um, yes, um, it's been uh, two weeks, right? Yeah. How was it uh, on the void fair while we were gone? I didn't know if you were going to come back. Oh, Edgar, um, I... I'm sorry if that uh, concerns you. I, uh... Are you doing okay? He kind of nods. So it's this interesting thing just reading him because he knows he's, like, kind of supposed to be upset with you for leaving so long, but he's also kind of happy to see you at the same time. And that's kind of like culminating in just him being slightly distant. It was fine. There were a lot of hamsters. Oh, hamsters? Um, do you, did you enjoy the hamsters? He nods vigorously. I think there's still a bunch scurrying around. Jack and Tatters was rounding them up. They're the ones that got out before we could deliver them. And you kind of get the impression this was probably the last job that the Voidfarer did when you guys were away. I'm going to talk to Val about job assignments next time. Um, <laughs> do you uh, do you miss the hamsters? Uh, actually, he looks a little mischievously, and he shakes his head no. Can I roll an insight on that? Yes, you can. <laughs> Are you about to make Adgar like a little, like... No, I'm killer. doing a thing. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay um, unfortunately, not good. It oh, was no. an eleven. <laughs> it still got it got it got to double digits, but it's just barely. It's an eleven. Yeah. No, that's high enough. You're you're reading okay. a child. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, you don't get the impression he did anything nefarious. You get the impression he may be hiding a good amount of these hamsters somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I'm gonna s I'm gonna smile at him slightly and said Adgar Are you um do you have some new friends? No <laughs> And I go I'm gonna go over to my bag and get some of Tashi's food. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm gonna just like um 
Open your hands, Edgar. He does so. And I put a bunch of the hamster food into his hand. Just loose hamster food. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, since I believe you 100%, that's just for whatever you want to do with. But I hear that hamsters very much enjoy them. He nods and he looks at you and he goes, thanks. And he turns and runs away. (laughs) Dropping a few of the kernels of hamster food as he runs. And actually, almost immediately, as soon as that happens, you see a single hamster scurry out from (laughs) under your bunk, grab a grain and dart into a crack on the other side of the room. I just kind of snicker at that like, that's kind of (laughs) cute. But yeah, um, is there anything that any of the three of you would like to do over the course of the next few days? Yes. I definitely have a couple of things, but... uh, I've got one, yeah. I I have two things that I would like to do. Okay, uh, let's do Ravnus next. Okay. Um, Ravnus is going to seek out Ezerath. Okay. Yeah, um... Ezerath has been mostly keeping to herself um, after getting herself officially uh, hired on Val's crew. Um, she has made zero effort to actually interact with anyone on board, um, preferring to keep to herself and go off and meditate um, in in various places on board. And at this particular moment, um, you uh, eventually find her... Um, sitting up in the rigging. Okay. Probably about like 30 feet over the deck. Okay. Ravnus is going to uh, climb up there and sit with her. She's going to see you approach and she's going to sigh. Is there nowhere I can go on this ship for a bit of privacy? It's not a very big ship. Bigger than some, but I suppose you're right. So Ravnus is going to uh, sit down when she gets up there. Tell me about this ritual that you say that we stole. I don't really see the need to explain any more to you than any more knowledge than you've already apparently stolen. Well, don't you want to know how we got it? And I intend to figure that out. Well, we can help you figure it out if you tell us more about it. Make a... Um, persuasion? Persuasion check. I'm, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> no, make it attack roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a 9 plus 1 is 10. 10? Okay. Um, she, she thinks for a moment. And she says, There are clearly things going on here that I don't understand. And I am not entirely sure that you are not in on such machinations. How can I trust what you say regarding any of this? Because we're crew members. We're supposed to have each other's backs, right? I don't think we can script the same amount of value in such things, given our different backgrounds. My crew, so to speak, is my people. Being here is a means to an end. Well, then, what can we do to make you trust us? I honestly don't know. Only a day ago, I would have thought what is happening now would be impossible. 
Apparently, that isn't the case. So, whatever is happening is well beyond my understanding. And Ravnus is going to think for a second, and um, she is going to say, um, well, if the squids were doing something to everyone's mind here, you would want to know about it, right? And she's going to see what she says. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How to properly word everything. I don't think that's as pressing right now. And you're not entirely sure what she heard, but you clearly get the impression that it wasn't exactly what you said. Um, I don't want to keep pushing on this loophole, but I think what what, what Ravnus would say is um, the squids are always a pressing matter. I need to focus on this particular task first. What task? She gives you a strange look at that. Getting to the bottom of whatever is going on with you and your friends. I thought that was clear. That's what we're trying to do, too. Four heads are better than one, right? I'm not entirely convinced that's true. But if it is, then... I don't know. I don't have time for these games. I'm figuring this out as we go. This is an entirely new situation for me or anyone, as far as I know. Well, think about it, I guess. And uh, Ravnus is going to jump back down from the riggings. Yeah. You use your innate little psionic boost to lightly cushion your fall. Mm-hmm. It looks it's super cool. cool. It's just a cool just, flip. <laughs> it's a cool flip. Drop 30 feet out of the rigging onto the deck. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Superman <laughs> lands, like fist down. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scuttlebutt is walking by and his feathers ruffle in surprise. <laughs> Oh. And then and then his beak opens and you hear the sound of a crowd applauding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ravnus does not react, but internally <laughs> she feels very cool. <laughs> She's too cool to show. Yeah, she, cool guys don't look at explosions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Uh, I'm going to go seek out uh, Roxana. Okay. So yeah, uh, you go down to the gun deck and you find Roxana overseeing some gunners doing gun maintenance on the gun deck to the cannons. Um, specifically, you see Vyrith, the brass dragonborn gunner. You see Lester and Ormond. Uh, Lester being the, the half-orc and uh, Ormond was the human that was the one who, in the best of intentions, organized the not-mutiny that happened back in Chapter 2. Right. <laughs> okay. I'm going to kind of catch up with Roxana, uh, and I'm going to say, um, hey, uh, Roxana. She turns and looks down at you from her Goliath height. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Humboldt, how can I help you? Yeah. Hey, um, well, I I mean, I just came down. I've realized I've never been on the gun deck. This, This is wild. This, you guys got a whole setup down here. This is really, really cool. Um... You know, we ain't never done a lot of chatting, you and I. Um, how how are how are you? How how are you doing? Busy. Mm. Yeah. You get the distinct impression that Roxana is not typically one for small talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, all right. I won't take up too much of your time. I was just. I mean, I got this this new thing, uh, and I I pull my pistol out. Mm-hmm. 
I just, I'm new with it, right? And I wondered if y'all had any, you know, y'all had any experience with, with, you know, aiming or any tips you could give me? Because like, for me, like, you know, I figured how, how tall you are with these cannons is about proportional to how tall I am with this pistol. So I thought it might be like one-to-one sort of advice you could give me on, you know, how this thing, you know, what, what best to do with it. <laughs> yeah. When you pull out the pistol, uh, she does have a glimmer of emotion, um, uh, surprise and intrigue. Mm-hmm. And she kind of strokes her chin a little bit. This is interesting. Yes, I do work with smoke powder weapons in the form of these large cannons, but... Mm-hmm. While I uh, do follow your logic that these cannons are large, and so am I compared to yourself, it's right, not exactly that's... the same thing. Sure, explain it, joke. That's good. You need that. Go ahead. <laughs> what else would I do with joke? No, you're right. Sorry, Roxana. I'm I'm used to hanging out with Marco and Ravnus. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> she says. Um, Unfortunately, I do not have any um, direct experience with uh, these such puny weapons, Mm. as powerful as they are. I prefer when I am not directing the cannons to be up close and personal. And she kind of gestures to the large uh, double-bladed axe that's on her back. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, listen, I know I'm a salvage scout course on the ship. But when I'm not doing that, when I'm not out salvaging, you know, I'm, I mean, I just wondered if y'all had any, any space down here that you needed filled for, uh, you know, cause I know, I know I don't seem like much, but I know you got Tyra down here too. And she sort of does similar stuff. So, you know, I thought, I thought I might be able to lend a hand if you ever needed it. If you would wish to, uh, have a change in ship duties, I think that could possibly be arranged. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to learn more. I, I I don't think it would hurt to, you know, get more, what'd you call it, black powder uh, experience? She nods. I think that could be arranged, yes. Right. And given that this is the weapon that you now carry, should you need supplies of smoke powder, I'm sure that it could be acquisitioned from the ship's supply. Hey! It would take a very small amount compared to what we use for our cannons, so I'm sure it could be spared. Okay! You know, they were expecting us to buy our own weapons and armor out there. It's about time that I get a little kickback from this ship. That's great. Okay, very good. (laughs) And uh, she says, I will not be able to help you with ammunition for such a tiny gun. Oh, sure. But perhaps speaking to Brohane or Laney will yield results in that department for you. Sure. Because I I mean, I definitely met Laney and know who that is. And I'm going to talk to them later. (laughs) <laughs> she's the the halfling that is brohane's assistant she's the uh carpenter and assistant to the bosun yeah of course Brohane. she is duh uh <laughs> let me <laughs> control f l a got it okay um yeah all right well sounds good well hey i'm i'm gonna go you know submit a requisite form 4082 for uh you know job switching and uh anyway it's it's a uh, it's cool to meet. It's cool to meet you. You know, Rocky. Is that can I, call, can I call you Rocky? No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> you may call me Roxana or Rock Thrower, which is nickname. Sure, same amount of syllables. Strange nickname. All right. Anyway, Aren't nice to you meet. You insulting my culture? Nope, I am not insulting your culture. I've just, I've, you know, semantics. That's, that's, not a, that's not a nickname. It's just... Goliath will string up birds your size to cook over fire. 
Yeah, you know, I'm realizing that you are about five <laughs> times my size. This is a poor decision on my part, and rock thrower <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> you see that Robin kind of chuckles to yourself. And actually, uh, as you're leaving, though, Orman's going to come up to you. Actually, Luckbeak, uh, do you got a second? Uh, yeah, what's up? So, um, obviously, we haven't talked in a while, and kind of the last time was... Uh, a little bit uh, awkward. Yeah. You know, given the whole meeting and and stuff. Um, yeah, the mutiny. It it wasn't it it was not a mutiny. No, no, not a mutiny. Yeah, okay. The the little cute but, mini mutiny. Yeah, okay. All right. So <laughs> But uh no, but I've had I've had a lot of time to think about it and I realized that I may have went about it the wrong way and uh, made some decisions that kind of um, led to a lot of emotions being stoked and I've been kind of taking my time to go around the crew and kind of apologize uh, for the misunderstanding and that sort of thing but you've been away obviously so I just thought I'd get you while you were here um, oh and I did talk to Val as well so she knows that that kind of happened but she uh, she understands uh, Orman you are free and clear in my book my friend that, that's that's good. I'm I'm glad. I've been feeling really bad about it for a long time, and I realized that uh, maybe a lot of people got the wrong idea of what it was, and I just wanted to, you know, fix problems. But I'm not really uh, the leadership type, you know. I've just been on more than one ship crew, and I kind of know, you know. I thought I knew at least what needed to be done to get stuff uh, get stuff resolved. But like I, I, said, I'm not I really think I'm like, as he's speaking, I'm like nodding, but also like scooting towards the door. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, you know what? Let let the let the Orman rehabilitation tour continue. I'm in your corner, buddy. I love you. You know, I've always loved you. All right. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah, you definitely get the impression that he was like trying to continue the conversation yeah. for God knows what reason. But you, you managed to scoot out in a breath uh, and say your quick goodbyes and That's scary scary. away okay <laughs> he has a crush on luck beak and is just trying to keep the conversation rolling <laughs> he goes uh, finally he goes oh okay and goes back to his work i i'm muttering like i think that was our second conversation <laughs> what a weird guy <laughs> <laughs> he is a very weird guy <laughs> i like him <laughs> okay uh marco what would you like to do i got a few here but um the first one i'm probably going to do is I'm going to go talk to Johannes. Okay. So, yeah. Sure. Um, Marco, one day on the trip, is going to head over to the Navigator's, like, quarters. Um, presumably, like, Johannes is working in there. And he's going yes. to knock on the door. Right. So, um, the door is actually already open. And as you get within about 20, 30 feet, um, you actually hear Johannes's voice. Because it is rather shrill and does carry. No, 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 no. Look, I understand where you're coming from. But... The fact of the matter is that Celestian's guidance here is not nearly as accurate as my precise calculations. Look, Val gave us the task of finding this thing, and I'm going to use my calculations to figure it out. By all means, sit in the corner and pray to the Far Wanderer if you think it'll help, but don't touch my charts. And on that note, Marco's going to walk in. <laughs> yeah, you see that it is Johannes and Orella in here. Um, Orella being the uh, ASMR uh, cleric of the Far Wanderer. And she has her arms crossed and looks um, a little annoyed. Uh, and she's in the process of saying as you walk in, all I am saying is the Far Wanderer can guide your hand in these calculations. They don't need to be two opposing factors. And that's when you walk in, Marco. <laughs> 
And they both look at you, and Johannes goes, "Oh, Marco, perfect." Did um I interrupt something? Is uh, what's going? Are, I'm assuming we're working on the same thing here. But uh, how's it going, both of you? I haven't seen you in a while. Good, good, good. Just having a great time. You know, Val gave me a very important task of finding this place for her. And, you know, finding places among the stars is my favorite thing to do. So I'm just great. <laughs> coming from anyone else, you would assume it was sarcasm. But coming from Johannes, you know it's genuine. And Arella says, it's good to see you, Marco. Um, I am aiding Johannes, much to his occasional annoyance. Arella, you are very helpful, and I appreciate you being here, but we have very different methods. So, I'm assuming that we're all looking for the same thing here. I was coming to ask if you all had been tasked with finding this ancient uh, Praetorian shipyard. Precisely, this Nafpygos, he says, looking at his notes. <laughs> yes, Nafpygos. <laughs> Question, though, I mean, do have either of you come up with any results? Well, um, the information that we have from the Kratorian age is, is limited. We have the information that you've brought back and such. And the, the basis of this map, he gestures up to the hologram map of Krat space that's floating around being projected from the drift globe that you guys had recovered is from a similar age back before the sealing of Krat space. So unfortunately, that map was Gith in origin and didn't have specific Kratorian locations labeled on it. So we have to scour our notes to see if any descriptions or coordinates describe this place so then we can then affix it to our maps. Um, but given that you are the... The, the prime expert on the uh, Kratorian writings, perhaps you can be of assistance. Marco kind of like swells with a little bit of pride on that one. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm the, uh, <laughs> the prime uh, researcher. Great. Uh, yeah, he kind of like smiles a little bit and is like, yes, I was just thinking that maybe with um, all three of our combined efforts, we can try to put something together here. So, all right, well, what do we have so far? We know that it is a asteroid field, correct? Uh, yes, based on the information that you provided us, that it is uh, not positioned on a world, per se, not a, not a full planet. Um, it is uh, a free-drifting asteroid, um, but it does, it does have to exist in an orbit here in Krat space. So it, finding exactly where, or if it even orbits around another larger body, uh, like an actual planet, um, is yet to be determined. Okay, so do we know of any type of systems that might have anything like that or something like a moon of some kind that could function like this it's not really well explored or well used well there's there's millions and millions and millions of unexplored asteroids throughout crot space so it doesn't really narrow it down um, oh, yeah, Orella will speak up at that point and say and they've been petitioning the starters of this sphere um conduits for celestians well to point us in the right direction Johannes will just kind of like roll his eyes a little bit. Look, that's worked in other spheres, but has yet to work here. Yes, there is something weird about these stars here in Krat space that is making it difficult for me to decipher them. May I ask what's so weird about it? Well, um, in other spheres, she starts and then stops. And then she says, what do you know of the nature of stars, Marco? Um... May I make a check on that one to see what I really know about them? Yeah, you can make a religion check or an arcana check. All right, arcana, because that one's slightly stronger. 
Oh shit, Nat 20. Nat so 20. Tw- Hell yeah. That's a 28. So, right. Um so you know and it's and some of this knowledge is from your Sailing the Sea of Stars book that you've had since back on Toril, but you know the biggest thing is that stars are different than suns in Spelljammer. <laughs> okay. Stars are actual things that exist on the inside wall of a crystal sphere they can take different forms in different spheres some spheres they are actual like pools of light that serve as portals to other places um sometimes they are giant burning pyres that exist on the surface of the inside crystal sphere and sometimes they are giant glowing creatures of vast enormity i do know that they are unlike suns very much um, physical sort of entities, kind of affixed to a crystal sphere. Um, they tend to take different forms. Um, some can actually be like living, like kind of like shapes of like humanoids or creatures of some kind. Others could just be pools of light. But mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why. Why is anything about them different here that would be the case anywhere else? And how could that tell us more where this stray asteroid could be? Yes, you're correct. Um, so in many spheres, um, assuming stars are fixed, which is usually the case, um, specific stars can be used for triangulation. However, while the stars here in this sphere don't seem to move, using them for triangulation is extra complicated for reasons that I have not yet been able to figure out. Um, additionally, there are a set of constellations that encircle this sphere. Um, which is a common occurrence in many spheres, um, as it seems to exist almost along the um, primary plane of orbit that many of the bodies within the sphere inhabit. And these can be used as markers denoting time, you know, referencing a planet's orbit by what constellation it aligns with on the crystal sphere. However, what's interesting is there appears to be 12 in total, but one is missing. It's just not there, which can make using these constellations as points of reference slightly complicated. Um, Taking this information and with uh, Johannes's navigation, can I like try to make a roll or something to try to like piece some pieces together to at least kind of shrink the map a little bit? Like, I don't know if I'm going to come to the answer today, but see if I can like pinpoint maybe like a general location in the galaxy. Go ahead. Make an arcana check. Okay. Okay, that is a dirty, non-natural 20. Okay. So, you're kind of thinking about it pretty hard, and an idea does occur to you. The one thing you do know about Nafigos is that there was a transportation platform from the Archon Nasticia's lair that travels there. Um, She had many of those, but you suddenly realize that all of those platforms traveled to locations that were at least somewhat close to the fat king one took her to her capital city on the other side of the vizier and then there were others that took her to the other moons in the king's court the other moons of the fat king and then one goes to nafpigos so you're not a hundred percent certain on the capabilities of these Cretorian like teleport platforms but you do know when you got transported you only got transported from Toril to an asteroid near Toril's moon. 
So you wonder if, at least in the forms that you're familiar, these teleportation platforms have a limited range. So, Johanna Sorella, um, whenever I was on Vizier, I found some Kratorian ruins that had teleportation circles in them. Everything that has I've seen of them and interacted with them tells me that they have a very limited... Well, not a very limited range, but they do have a limited range. They can only go so far. So, if we could, what if we used Vizier and the Fat King as a point of... as kind of a fixed point, and then work our way out from there? Hmm. Do you have a list of the other locations that these teleport platforms went to from the central location? Yes, um, well, most of them are Kratorian, so we'd have to figure out what their um, modern names are, but um, Marco's just going to quickly like sit down and just start like jotting them all out. Um, yeah. Yeah, tear out the piece of paper and hand it over to Johannes. Uh, yeah, you do it, and he goes, all right, I think this is a good starting point. I can work with this. Um, uh, and he says excitingly, um, like, already starting to like... Uh, flip through a bunch of uh, loose leaf maps and, and stuff that's just scattered about. <laughs> then I'm going to say, um, Johannes, I know it might also be rough, but I would listen to Arella. She has some pretty good information over there, and maybe the two of you working together can actually pinpoint the location. Yes, yes, of course, of course, he says, uh, not looking up from the stuff he's doing. And Orella will kind of nod and smile to you and uh, with an expression that says, it's okay. This is how we work all the time. <laughs> yeah, they're an old married couple. <laughs> Thank you for your help, Marco. Um, if you all uh, need anything else, let me know, okay? I'm going to be, uh, I got some more rounds to do. Um, they, uh, they both nod. And I will uh, take my leave. All righty. Ravnus, did you have anything else you wanted to do? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, Ravnus is going to go to Coot um, in the kitchen where I presume he is. Yes. Hell yeah. All right. Um, she is going to um, go up to Coot and just sort of like observe him for a second <laughs> and like see if he's like busy. <laughs> uh yeah he's he is working on lunch at this point because it is uh, on this particular day uh like late morning lunch is in a couple hours you know so he's already beginning to prepare meals um for the midday he's just humming to himself yeah ravenous is going to take a um space apple and uh take a bite out of it and uh, go up to him and um say I need you to make something for dinner tonight. Oh, you scared me. Sorry. I wasn't very quiet, <laughs> but... What? I guess you can't hear very well. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, then again, she says, I need you to make something for dinner tonight. Oh, something for dinner. Sure. What would you like? We need a cake. A uh cake for Brawla. I don't know who that is. <laughs> but I think I have what I need to make a cake. Well, she's a dwarf, so put beer in it or something. <laughs> Strange. But I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you should write on it farewell, Brawla. 
And if you have any candles, you should probably put those on it too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, uh, all right, sure. You get the impression he doesn't know why anyone would do this, but he is willing to comply. <laughs> okay. And uh, then she is going to intimidate him. And uh, she is going to say, do not tell anyone this was me. And I'm going to roll intimidate. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was 17 plus one is 18. 18 yeah you say yeah. that and he's like suddenly taken aback and his head like retracts a little bit like partially into his shell oh, now I feel bad <laughs> why are you being mean to Coot I don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay um, and then she's going to take another space apple and leave make sure no one saw her <laughs> being very stealthy on the way out yeah <laughs> can't be traced back to her would ruin her reputation <laughs> <laughs> you go to leave and you see kale standing there with a mop oh, and he fuck. looks up and goes hey ravenous and just keeps mopping <laughs> um she is going to which one's kale 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 is, is the the moody teen <laughs> okay she is going to uh grab him by the the shirt collar and also intimidate him <laughs> and she's going to say i was never here and that is a ooh, three plus one is four. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't gonna make you roll, but because you did. No, uh, <laughs> no, I thought it'd be more fun to roll. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> he thinks she's joking. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of grab him by the front of his shirt, and he he, he kind of like chuckles and goes, "It's good to have you back." <laughs> uh, she's gonna glare at him and walk away. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Cover's gonna be blown. <laughs> hey everyone, Nick Yurisiva here, your dungeon master who's vaxxed, brought snacks, and rolling attacks. Summer has already proven to be a very busy time for almost everyone here, so we appreciate you bearing with us as we experience some scheduling and releasing irregularities in the coming weeks. We are still going to do our best to adhere to our normal first and third Tuesday schedule, but seeing as this very episode was rescheduled and then was still a whole day late goes to show that some improvising may occur. Keep an eye on our social media for real-time updates. To that end, you should give us a follow on our aforementioned social media if you haven't already. At Voidfarer Podcast on Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter. We have launched our Project Derailed Patreon. If you are enjoying Tales of the Voidfarer or any of our other content from here at Project Derailed, like our other TTRPG actual play, Fables Around the Table, and our movie podcast with Fiona, Big Streaming Pile, we would really appreciate you supporting us on Patreon. Your support gets you access to Patreon-only channels on Discord, priority questions for our Q&A episodes, bonus content, and at this $7 patron tier, an entirely new Patreon-exclusive show with the Project Derailed crew. And we know not everyone is able to pitch in, and we totally get it. Leaving a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice or simply spreading the word on social media are great ways to show your support at absolutely no cost to you. And of course, we are appreciative every day of you just tuning in to listen. 
Visit patreon.com slash project derailed if you'd like to pitch in. Come hang out with us at the Project Derailed Community Discord. We are always there hanging out and chatting with cool people about anything and everything. Discuss our shows, chat about TTRPGs, movies, video games, bugs. Yes, bugs, don't ask. Or jump on a call for some games of Jackbox or Among Us. Go to projectderailed.com slash discord to join in on the fun. Want some merch? Head over to Project Derailed's Redbubble store to buy some Voidfair swag and other cool things for you to wear bit.ly slash derailed shop the newest season of fables around the table is underway playing bluebeard's bride gm chelsea rexinger weaves a feminine horror tale as players control separate aspects of a single character the newly wed bride of the powerful noble named bluebeard can they survive his haunted manor and unlock all the doors listen to fables around the table tiffany to find out Theme song by Tom Goldthwaite with additional music by purple-planet.com. Let's talk about your chompers. Brush is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the brush redefines what it means to have the pearliest of whites. It's like the feeling of when you just leave the dentist, a fresh, whole mouth clean every single day. Our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15. Follow the link in the show notes and enter POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. The next episode of Tales of the Void Fair will theoretically land on Tuesday, July 6th. See you then. Three, two, one, beholder. I wait, I wasn't ready. <laughs> Merrick, come on, this used to be our game, man. I look, my mind just went blank. Okay, alright, alright. Well, uh get something new then. Alright, you ready? Uh alright, here we go. Three, two, one, Warhammer. Okay, good. All right, all right. So that's step one. All right. So what's right in between Warhammer and rope? Buddy, we got this. I know we got this. Okay, I got it. You got it? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Mountain climber. Okay, God, we're right. We're so close. All right, right between mountain climber and grappling hook, Merrick. Right? Uh Uh-huh. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Python. I, I... Merrick! We used I, to play I, this I, game all the time. Come on, man. Look, I'm out of practice. Oh, I was so excited to have you on the ship. I was like, finally, I'm going to have a friend here again who like gets me and who I know how to like, I don't know who I know how to interact with. I don't got to try to, you know, be some, uh, uh, you know, some, somebody, somebody I'm not here. But God, has it really been that long? I mean, it's been like shit uh, going on a year. Wow. Gosh, a year. Damn, the time really. I've been on this ship for a year. Bizarre. I, whatever. It's 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 fine. Um, do you, should we should we do it again? Yeah, let's do it again. All right, all right. Uh, okay. I uh, I got one. Ready? Ready. Three, two, one. Dice. Vampire. Vampire dice. I don't even know what to do with that one. Um, I think I was maybe Strahd. Oh, Marco. <laughs> what the hell, Strahd? I don't know who that is. 
I don't know. It's a it's a legend from Toril. I mean, it's probably not true. Ah, okay. Was he like a famous gambler or something? Yeah, something like that. Oh, all right, cool. Six, what hey, well, well, we're playing. What am I thinking? But oh man, oh Marco. Okay, all right. Three people. You'd be so good at this, right? Okay. We we used to have games to pass the time, Mer- Merrick and I, and, and I don't know, like. One of them was, we had a third guy in our crew for a while, and he, he kind of sucked, but but it was cool, because like with three people, we could play like three-person pe- games here, right? So, so you what are you, what are you doing right now? Oh, um, I was just kind of wandering, so... Oh, uh, all right. Uh, yeah, um, sure, what, do, tell me how the game is all played. All right, cool, cool, cool. We're going to play the Countess's Cat. You ready? So, I'm going to say the Countess's Cat is an angry cat. And then Merrick here is going to do the same rhythm and say something with a B. The Countess's cat is a... Merrick, you got... Merrick, it has only been a year. I'm sorry. I was also trying to do DM prep. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, shit, so, I'm being cued to do something. Hold on. <laughs> Nicholas. Hey, when, when two players are talking, that's when I look at my notes. This is how dungeon mastering works. Uh, three person scene. This must be blowing your mind right now, Nick. We, this, this kind of shit is like top tier. Uh, all right. So like, so we're just going to go down the alphabet, but you can't break the rhythm. Does that make sense to you, Marco? So the Countess's cat is an angry cat. And then Merrick will say something with a B. Yep. And then I would say something with a C. And it goes to me for D. You ready? Let's try it. Here we go. And if you if you slip up, if you don't do it in time, then you're out. Ready? All right. All right. The Countess's cat is an amiable cat. Wait, that was next. Merrick, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Merrick was probably never actually good at these yeah, games. Yeah, it's just lucky <laughs> trying to force him into shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. At that point, two more figures enter the mess, and you see the hairless tabaxi, Happy Winds, and behind him is Merrick's other companion that joined the Voidfarer crew at the same time, this tall female human uh, with kind of dark tan skin with a long black ponytail and a stern expression that, Luckbeak, you now know her name is Corvina, and they both enter, and Happy Winds, with his face characteristically scrunched up in this scowl, says, Merrick! I am so glad that we found you here, he says with this grimace. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're just hanging out. Here, feel free to join us. And uh, Happy will say, you did not formally introduce us to your friends. I have met the very lovely Mr. Humboldt here. Hey, yeah. Hi. Uh, so this is, uh, this is Marco. I mean, I'll just do America's fine. America's never real good at social stuff. <laughs> um, Marco, this is uh, Happy Wins, right? Yes, I am... Happy wins. I am very pleased to make your acquaintance. Um, he says with his face not changing from its characteristic scowl at all. Oh, okay. A pleasure to meet you, Marco Astorio. Uh, happy wins, correct? Correct. And, and Merrick will say, and this is uh, Corvina. We were all three of us were members of the uh, Salvagers Guild before the Voidfarer picked us up. Uh, and Corvina will say, it's a pleasure to meet you. Oh, Corvina Luckbeak. Uh, Ashante. Pleasure to meet you too, Marco Astorio. Um, if you don't mind me asking, I, I know that um, Merrick and, and Luckbeak have known each other before. I'm assuming that um, Luckbeak, you do not know these two mm, from your previous work? Not lucky enough to be acquainted, no. Hmm. So, uh, how'd y'all get with the Salvagers Guild? Happy Winds will say, um, it seemed like a prime opportunity, and I was quickly proved... Um, to be mistaken, mm. as I understand many were. 
Corvino will just kind of nod and say, it was convenient transportation that had many strings attached. Well, cheers to that. Yep, I feel you. Oh, okay. Uh, and one of the things you notice about Corvina as her and Happy Wind sit down is she she kind of almost has this uh this like air of being distracted, lost in thought almost. Mm. So, um, how did you all end up on the Void Fair then? Merrick will say, as I as I mentioned to Luckbeak, uh, we were attacked um, by uh, the Xena Syndicate and. Um, Left the ship uh, disabled and floating in space, and uh, we were interrogated by Xena Syndicate, and eventually uh, the Voidfair happened to be passing by, and uh, they scared off the Xena Syndicate and uh, uh, picked us up. And, uh, w- you know, Val was kind enough to give some of us uh, positions. Um, there were more of us. Uh, not all of us chose to stay on, but mm. the three of us decided to. Yeah. Seemed like as... Good a good a gig as any. It's just the uh, just the three of y'all. Nobody else uh, from the ship came along. Just the three of us. Hmm. Okay. Th- there were probably about five others, but they uh, they decided not to stick around. Yeah, they got off at Nadir Anchorage. I'm sorry to hear that happened to you, though. It had to have been quite traumatic. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't fun. Hmm. Not really sure what the Xena Syndicate was even after, but I don't hmm. know. Uh, uh, happy wins. Um. Hey, they, uh, you know, I know Tabaxi are all about, uh, you got them, uh, them long names, the, the all short. And what's Happy Winds short for? Um, Happy Winds is my full name. My shorter name is just Happy. Happy. I like that. That's nice. That's a cute name. I like that. All right. All right. I have been told it is very fitting, he says with his scowl. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. This is like when you call a real big guy tiny. I like that. Wait, are you aware that that was... Jo- okay, no, you weren't. All right. <laughs> I, I thought it was because of my pleasurable demeanor. Yeah, that's sure. probably quite pleasant. Yeah, pleasant is what I was going to say too. I, I, I so much enjoy company. Good. Again, face not changing expression yep. at all. <laughs> I, I, I shoot Marco a look that's like gillo to this guy, um, or not Marco, uh, Merrick. But hey, Marco too. Why not? All my, all my yeah. M friends. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Mer- Miracle Shrug. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Marco has the look of that, like a face that fish out of water sort of look. <laughs> of like, he's not really <laughs> sure how to function right now. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, at that point, uh, Corvina uh, kind of cocks her head like she heard something and she goes, I must, uh, if you'll excuse me. And she'll stand and she leaves. Oh, Corvina. <sighs> and Miracle say, uh, yeah, she does that sometimes. Huh. I was going to invite her to um, play Countess's cat. More fun with more people, especially when three of them are Nick. I'd really like to see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> please, please no. <laughs> um, Every NPC is just weirdly bad at this game. Yeah, I don't know. Give up. <laughs> please no. Um, <laughs> yeah. At that point, Luckbeak, you feel something scurry over your foot. Uh huh. I look down, uh, and you see that there's a little gray and black hamster scurrying away with a little piece of bread in its cheek. Hey, Marco, your hamster got out. Oh no, uh, Tashi's right here. What the hell? Um, All right. Merrick will speak up and say, "Oh, uh, yeah, there's some hamsters running around. Um, the last job the Void Fair did before you guys got back was uh, transporting um, a ton of miniature giant space hamsters for some eccentric lord out on uh, some moon. Mm. Huh. huh. 
Happy will nod and says, Lord Constantinus Dubar. Of course. Lord Constantinus Dubar. What do you want all them hamsters for? I am uncertain. Hmm. He did not say. Well, lucky for us. Seems like we got to keep a box for ourselves, huh? Yes, some have escaped. Mm. Why don't we get those jobs, Luckbeak? And at that point, there's like a thud near the door, and you see another tabaxi, the black-haired tabaxi of Jack and Tatters. Did someone say hamster? Is it in here? Yeah, I mean, um, that way. He'll look. Thank you. And duck back out in the direction that you gestured. <laughs> hey, Luckbeak. Yeah. Why do we never get the job with just delivering a bunch of hamsters to some eccentric billionaire, and instead we have to spend two weeks on a desert planet? You know, Val says we're special, but I'm pretty sure that just means she hates us. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, Merrick will snort. The happy winds will say, I am sure that is not the case at all. Val seems to be a perfectly reasonable individual. Oh, not another one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, happy. Uh, hey, out of curiosity, you, Jack and Tatters, you guys get along? Uh, happy will kind of like look in the direction where he went and uh, and happy will say, um, actually, uh, he has, um, not spoken to me since I arrived and seems to keep his distance. Is that normal for like tabaxi culture? I'm sorry if this is real insensitive. I don't know nothing about tabaxi. A lot of times tabaxis that are accustomed to living around non-tabaxi can sometimes be skittish when introduced to another. Um, it's, it all has to do with You their, gotta buy another litter um, box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need their own. Um, tabaxi are prone to quirks. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, you seem quirky as hell, friend. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. I, I, I guess. Yeah. This was real fun. I actually have gun and duty. Uh, Merrick, maybe we could hang out again later, bud. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'm going to slap my hand on the table and then waddle away. <laughs> Uh, people are coming and going from the mess pretty regularly uh, at this point. Vanilla Solly, the gnome rigger, and Lillian uh, come in with plates of their food and sit down in the corner. I think I'm going to look to Merrick. So, um, you never really told me, um, what did you and Luckbeak do before you, um, parted ways? <laughs> um, this is after Luckbeak left the scene? Yeah. <laughs> or is Luckbeak in no, the No, <laughs> I love the idea of Merrick having to improv because okay. he's bad at it. <laughs> yeah, he's super bad at it. Merrick kind of like nervously glances around uh, and goes, uh, you know, stuff. Um, mm. What kind of stuff? Like, were you, did you work on a ship together? Were you working on the beer uh, no, no, we were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty grounded um, uh, on the Rock of Brawl. Um, Rock of Brawl, okay. Yeah, that's, what, that's where we're from. That's where we're from, where I grew up, um, where we both grew up. Um, yeah, we, uh, we did, we did jobs. So, um, what, what kind of jobs did you do? <laughs> he, he goes, um, yeah, you know, odd, odd jobs. Um, uh, like, Lockbeak's parents were merchants. And you worked for Luckbeak's parents? Um, no, not, no, no. He gave you an out, Merrick. You just say yes and move on, dumb ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, well no so uh, Merrick's logic here is he's bad at lying so he's trying to like tell truths yeah. that are like easy to remember. yeah so but he's yeah. being pressed on them and it's not good and poor Marco's just trying to make small talk it feels like he's like stumbled on so did you um is there something about your past that you just don't want to talk about right now 
Yes, absolutely. Actually, I should go. (laughs) (laughs) Marco sitting with Happy Wednesday and goes, you think they're like, they dated a while ago and a little tied up about it? Um, Happy will look at you, his face unchanging from its wrinkled scowl, and then will glance in the direction of Merrick as he's like leaving and goes, I could see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aww. Uh, uh, let's look peek later. Maybe he's a little. Um, maybe he's also a little touchy about. I don't know. Maybe a past relationship or something. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so everyone is sort of in the mess. A lot of the seekers stay out on the deck, just making a spot for themselves wherever they can, because there's not room for most of the crew and all of the refugees and everything to pack into the mess. But a good chunk of the crew is around all of the riggers and a couple of the the gunners, all of you guys, and many of the officers, and Brawla here in the evening. And everyone is just kind of enjoying their evening meal, having idle conversation, uh, and that sort of thing. And then Coot comes in with this kind of lopsided brown cake it doesn't have icing on it and there are a couple like large normal almost foot-long wax candles (laughs) sticking lopsided out of it um none of which are lit and and he sets it down in front of brala and you guys can kind of see that it has just scratched into the cake with what you can presume is a turtle claw. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, farewell, Brawla. And Coot will like look at Brawla with like a knowing look. Like he's delivered this like little surprise that who could it be from? And just humming to himself, uh, walk away. And Brawla just is like, uh, um, I'm sorry, what's going on? <laughs> and, and people are now like looking at Brawla and she's like, I'm very confused. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> whoever. Val, is this you? And Val will go, don't look at me. I think Coop just might like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and Brala, Brala will like look down at the cake and then kind of look at the, the large turtle shell that is slowly hobbling away back to the galley and go, hmm, I'd do it. like she never considered that but oh my god yeah all right (laughs) but uh she'll kind of reach down and break a piece of the cake off and taste singles it's not bad i'm not gonna eat this all myself and she uh she starts like passing it around so people can break off pieces of this just pretty basic kind of like dense cake that was made with whatever the fuck Coot had around (laughs) (laughs) and beer (laughs) and beer so people pass it around and it doesn't taste bad Um, uh, it's not as sweet as you would probably expect cake to be and it is very dense um, but is uh, it's it's not bad it almost has a consistency of like a like a heavy biscuit Mm. Hmm. that is uh that's a thick ass cake yeah But uh, but yeah, what, what does Ravnus do in response to this? Um, Ravnus is going to be like watching it like a hawk until she sees Brawla seem like happy about it and eat it and then like have this sort of like sigh of relief. And uh, ha pranked. Yeah, pranked. <laughs> and uh, actually like before uh, 
before it's passed around too much, she's going to uh, go over with her um, like flint and uh, offer to light the candles, or or really like not even offer and just like do it. Just do it. Yeah. Um, just gonna light the candles. Brawler will give you a weird look. All right, ambiance, I guess. <laughs> there are candles on it, so they look like they should be lit. I guess I don't know. <laughs> uh, Brawler will nod and goes, um. All right, well, uh, thank you for lighting the candles and shrugs. <laughs> and uh, Ravnus gives her a knowing nod and, and sits back down. <laughs> Marco, is it is it Brawl's birthday? Are we uh, are we going to be singing or something? What's happening here? I have no idea. Okay. Maybe, maybe Coot just likes her. Who knows? Oh, all right. I Let's can't. not think about that too much. Maybe that's a good call. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Total start soup eating the cake. indeed. <laughs> Turtle soup Seriously. indeed. She's stirring the pot. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. So um, the next day, you guys arrive back at Nadir Anchorage, and uh, the Seekers bid their farewell. Diego comes up to talk to Marco uh, briefly, just to to say that. Um, he will update the Enclave on what happened on uh, the Vizier, and uh, he looks forward to working with you in the future. Um, I say it was a pleasure as well. Shake hands, of course. Shake hands with Colette as well. Yep. Um, and wish him the best in hopes to see them at the Seekers Hall. Yes. And we'll have to uh, compare notes at that time, but I understand that uh, you have more things to attend to, Colette will say. Oh, indeed. Um, the, a lot to work on. But um, by all means, we'll, we'll, we'll get together and exchange some notes soon. So yeah, the Seekers depart. Um, and Vala is already having the ship resupplied. And in addition to the normal supplies, there's a bunch of extra supplies. Uh, it seems to be much the same kind of supplies that the Voidfarer just keeps stocked normally. But there are also like construction materials and tools and various like food stores and like linens and other materials and, and a bunch of a bunch of like just random supplies that are already being loaded onto the ship. You presume um, the cargo for the next Voidfarer's job. Makes sense. And Brawla will uh, say her farewells and uh, be prepared to leave as well. And she's like, all right, well, it's been an interesting vacation, but I got to get back to the Tishra's Pride now that it's out of impound. And uh, hopefully we all cross paths again in the future, she says with a wink in all of your general direction. <laughs> it was a smile and just uh, goodbye. It was nice meeting you. It was a pleasure meeting you. Uh, and Brawla will make her leave as well. And as Brawla is heading down, there is a figure walking up the gangplank that you don't recognize. Brawla passes him and kind of glances over her shoulder to look directly at his ass. <laughs> <laughs> but approaching up the gangplank is a handsome looking human with kind of shoulder length blonde hair that's pulled into a ponytail. And he has a kind of purple cape that is kind of screaming behind him. And his garb is definitely on the like flashier side maybe not the most expensive he's not like super super rich or at least very least not flaunting it to that extent it still seems kind of functional but it is very nice quality definitely of like somewhat of like a noble descent and he has like a gleaming polished breastplate that has a symbol on the front of a burning torch being held aloft very good i see everything is being loaded up 
I look forward to this expedition upon this fine vessel, he says with a beaming white grin. Hi. Uh, Do we know you? Uh, so- sorry, are you like a new crew member or? Why, I am the one who is purchasing the services of this vessel. Oh, oh okay. Oh. Well, I am Luck B. Cumble. Uh, we encourage tips. Uh, what's your name? <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. I am Lord Antonin Badeau. Okay. Uh, well, well, nice to meet you, sir. Uh, well, listen, I'll go get the captain if you want, and and, uh, and and we can have her meet you down here and show you to your quarters. That would be splendid. Thank you so much. I kind of... And, and he'll, he'll uh, flip you a gold piece. Oh, he actually did? I was about to say I hold my hand out, yep. but all right, cool. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, he didn't miss a beat. <laughs> all right. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a gold piece, too. That's like that's like, that's like like a, a $20 yeah, bill. Yeah, it is. I bite <laughs> yep. it to make sure it's not wood, and then I scamper off like an orphan <laughs> to go find Val. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. <laughs> Yeah, some nearby crew members kind of chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Robin and Lester and Lillian uh, just shake their heads and laugh. <laughs> yeah, you find Val coming out of her quarters. Hey, Val. Anthony Boudoir is here, and he's uh, waiting to come on the ship or something. Uh, the the guy who's who's booking us. Oh, good. Perfect. Um, great. And then we can make way as soon as we're loaded up. Thank you. Right. Uh, and she'll uh, head to the deck to, to greet him. I hold my hand out when Val passes me. She she looks at you and shoots you a look like I pay you. Oh yeah, I forgot. Sorry about that. Uh huh. All right. Which point of order? You guys did get paid for your last Ooh. your last uh, uh thing. You get you got each got paid four hundred gold. Jesus! Pieces. Wow. Oh, damn. What? Yeah. Okay. Solid job. For real. Yeah. Yeah, I follow her back. It's like you're leveling up or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So and there will be new things available down in the the shop on the ship i was about, that was going to be my last so. scene to go check out the <laughs> shop again uh so yeah val goes back out and she says oh lord Badeau, glad you could find your way down here um because you guys are in voidfarer cove which is like the hidden docking place of the voidfarer on the deer anchorage yes quite a fascinating little port you have for yourselves hmm. val will then turn to you to further uh introduce uh lord Badeau. Lord Badeau here is the leader of the Primatic Order of Thought here in Crotspace. And Badeau will say, I, I, actually, um, we're a loose organization that has no real clear central leadership, but uh, I am one of the more prolific members, um, and I am funding the establishment of a settlement here in Crotspace, one that should serve as an alternative port of entry for those that want to travel here and not be hindered by the Salvages Guild, as is one of the tenets of the Pragmatic Order of Thought. We believe in the free trade and transportation throughout Wild Space, and the Salvages Guild monopoly on such things is something that we very much would like to put a stop to. And Val will nod approvingly and says, we're doing this job for more than just the money. Although there is, there is money. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Money is good, though. Right. And uh, Lord Bideau will say, yes, we are establishing ourselves in the Den of a Thousand Dragons, uh, as it's so-called. We found a suitable location. Unfortunately, its current orbit is on the other side of the system from Nadir Anchorage, um, which, as I understand it, will make for a fairly long journey. Val will nod and say, yes, we're looking at the better part of a month. So... 
with that, uh, Lord Badeau will say, well, I look forward to getting to know you all better in that time. So, and Val will say, let me show you to your quarters then. And they will both uh, leave. Well, he seems like a funky dude. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have... That was a lot to take in in a very short amount of sure time. Sure was. Maybe this could be our uh, our hamster run, though, Marco. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. As you say that, there's two hamsters mm. scurrying across the deck. You, do you think we'll see more of him scurrying across the deck after a couple of weeks? Jack and Tatters lands on the deck right in front of you from the rigging and goes, I saw them. Where did they go? That way, Jack. Oh, uh, Thank you. You'll, <laughs> you'll get off. them someday. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys get loaded up and the void fair sets off again not wasting any time now with its cargo and patron aboard um the ship leaves the anchorage and sets a heading for this destination on the far reaches of the system so yeah marco that evening what are you doing so Marco is going to head up to the deck looking um, a little kind of melancholy. Um, mm-hmm. He heads up to the top and is just kind of like looking at the stars or looking for any other living soul that would be awake at that night at that time of day or night, I should say. Yeah, you head out to the deck and kind of head up towards the front a little bit on the, the prow of the ship. And as you're kind of like looking out, observing the distant stars, kind of thinking about maybe the things that Arella was saying uh, about stars and stuff the other day, and just thinking about everything that's happening now and thinking about Luckbeak and his friendship with Merrick being reunited, you hear a little chirp and you look down off the front prow into the line storage that is like mm-hmm. tucked off the front along the forward mast of the ship. And you see Scuttlebutt's nest is tucked down there. And you see the, the Kinku look up at you. Um, oh, good. Um, Scuttlebutt? You- Watch where you're going, you blasted bird. <laughs> Scuttlebutt says in a, in a voice that is not his own. <laughs> Um, I never thought that you had an actual nest. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, um, didn't mean to wake you or anything. He says, oh, hello. In a voice that sounds like Scrib. Greetings. In a voice that sounds like Salon. And you get the impression that you're not disturbing Scuttlebutt at all. Oh, um, so um, what are you up to? Are you just settling in for the night? Wouldn't you like to know? in a voice that you recognize as Melinda's. But despite the the tone that comes with Melinda's voice, he climbs up and sits down on the gang rail next to you happily. Actually, this is, um, I guess, um, a sign of good favor. I've been, I guess, looking for anyone to kind of chat with, I suppose. So, I mean, um, here we are. Um, so, you don't mind if I um, talk to you about something... Um, serious D- do you he'll say aye aye yeah I appreciate it um and, and I feel like I maybe can't go to Luckbeak or Ravnus with this and I mean and it, it doesn't matter um by the way I've been thinking a little while ago um I learned the spell sending um and I quickly realized um maybe I realized whenever I was or whenever but um I could uh, contact my friend back on Toral. Her name's Hannah. Um, anytime I wanted to. Uh, whenever I first ended up out here, um, I couldn't get a hold of her. But now I literally have a, a 
a line to her that I could just contact her immediately. Um, That's nice, he says in Coot's voice. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem is, is, um, I mean, at this point, it's been months. I mean, she probably thinks that I'm dead and long gone. I don't know if I'm thinking maybe that's for the best. Scupper that nonsense. Well, I mean, well, the thing is, is, I mean, she was like the only friend that I had. And, well, in, in so many ways, she was better than me in every way I could possibly think of. And she had such a bright future ahead of her. But for whatever reason, she always spent time with me, and I never really could understand that. But I always thought that I was going to end up pulling her down the more that we spent time together. And now, I mean, that's, that's not the case. I'm, I'm no longer in her life, and it's probably for the best. Scuttlebutt will just kind of uh, nod and kind of cock his head at you. Mm. I mean, she was brilliant, probably, like, at the top of our class. Like, she's destined to do amazing things on Toral, be, like, the lead scholar in her field. And, you know, I was probably destined to um, be the cloistered scholar in a tower, and other people would get famous off of my work and contributions. And, I mean, I didn't want the fate for her, and now I'm out here, and, I mean, if I contacted her... I would love to see her, but at the same time, it's, um... You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's... I, I don't want her to... I, I want her to live a happy and wonderful life, and I don't want to hold her back. Or make her think that she needs to save, come out and get me. Scuttlebutt will nod, uh, and then look at you and go, Scop her that nonsense! Again. And then he follows it up with a voice you recognize as Orella's saying, the far wanderer will guide. Which you interpret maybe not literally in that sense, but like more of the, you know, do the right thing sort of message. I guess I'm probably going to give it a little bit more thought um, before I do. But that's a fair assessment. Salient point. Careful, my feathered friend. You're going to get stepped on. He says in what sounds like it could have been a gift voice or some a, a, some large individual. A, clearly a, a, a phrase that was directed at Scuttlebutt once. <laughs> but uh, you can interpret as him saying, uh, you know, be careful, you know, don't get yourself hurt. She's probably far better off without me than she ever would have been with me. But Scuttlebutt, I appreciate uh, at least listening to me maybe keep this conversation between us he'll nod and say of course of course in a voice that sounds like yuri's god i only knew him for a few days but i kind of miss him right now uh, either way i'll think it over some more but um scuttlebutt it's really appreciated i sometimes don't know who to talk to really about hannah so it's a complicated issue for me. I don't really know how friendship works, except for in kind of a definitional sense, so um, mm -hmm. thank you. It is my pleasure, he says in Scribb's voice. Um, I think at that point, Mark is just going to kind of like sit with Scuttlebutt for a little bit on the on the deck and just kind of ponder uh, his existence, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
call it a day. Yeah, you sit there for a little bit, just listening to the creaking of the ship as you travel through Koth space, and eventually it gets pretty late, and you go to head back to the barracks. But as you head down from the top deck to the gun deck, on your way down to the, the cargo deck where the crew quarters is located, something catches your eye. It looks like someone laying on the ground between two of the cannons. I'll start walking over there and it's kind of like, um, hello is probably not the best place for a nap. Maybe somebody got drunk, passed out, but as you take a couple steps closer, you can see shimmering from a lantern light crimson on the decks. At that point, I'm, uh, after I see that, I'm kind of in like, it starts with a walk and then like a trot and then I'm in like a full run by the time I come like skidding next to uh, mm-hmm. next to whoever this is. Yeah, you see on their side um, the broad shoulders and balding head of Ormond Seabrook. You turn him over and he has a crossbow bolt stuck out of his eye. Um. And carved into his chest is a triangular symbol with three concentric lines that come from each corner and meet in the middle. The symbol of the Zenith Syndicate. Once upon a time, there lived a lord whose place was so splendid and so richly furnished that even the sultans could not be compared with it. He was never spoken of by his real title, which was grand and noble, but instead, he was simply referred to as Bluebeard. Bluebeard scared the young woman, but maybe his beard wasn't quite that blue. She accepted his proposal. I don't know about you two, but they did kind of get in the witch's head. It's almost like a childlike fear, like how kids will sometimes get really, like, super afraid of something random and it doesn't, like, quite make sense. These seem like reflections of our own insecurities. Fables Around the Table, Tiffany. Debuting May the 12th. Will you open the door? ProjectDerailed.com